6. We are the sea. At some point later in the night that Thimble Winter had created, the ship sensed that Torsten and the tall girl were asleep and fully extended their seats. Thimble Winter further dimmed the lights and at last faded that startling monstrosity of a wolf mouth to let them sleep. Without the Valkyrie segment on his arm, Torsten had regained chemical equilibrium. First that experience of the teacher bird, some alcohol sim jacked into a further simulation, which was a mind killer in itself. And now, what the Valkyrie had been dosing him were a potent combination. Yes, he gorged on the more disruptive spices of nature, but he was then young enough for all that to just pass. Maybe if he made it to some later life, then Torsten would find the ghosts of the last two days rattling dangerously around in his head. But for now, he was okay and dreamless. Something somewhere clicked like the end of a long conversation Torsten didn't even know that he was having. He awoke and carefully stepped out of the flight deck. This must be done. He must face the last voice in all his final watches. Torsten thought of taking the iron sword. No. He thought of the Valkyrie suit. Again, no. He needed to be alone and raw and utterly himself. He was going now into the last cave of this night journey of the soul. Torsten quietly padded past the cabins, where Sif Teacherbird were either asleep or thinking. He would leave them to their own mind worlds. He descended the steps. He was an assassin now, silent and armed mainly with the wit of his two eyes. Engines. It was as Torsten remembered it, Karma without the teacher bird. These emerald-painted metal walls. The yellowish glow of the containment chamber. The ballistic scar now almost gone. Self-healed, as the teacher bird said it would. Torsen sat down by the containment chamber and the small rari object, that nondescript pipe in the usual grey, floated towards him. Its tiny, creepy mouth was working again. So, first you were a gun, shooting a single bullet around and around in a shattered loop of time. Now what are you? Are you imitating the teacher bird? You learned to shoot like a super-skilled maniac, and now you would also talk like an absolute bastard. It could die now. Torsten could purge the chamber and make that happen. It could join the bullet out there in light space. But even then, he imagined that the bullet was not quite gone and now sped somewhere behind Thimble Winter as a small bill of work that was far from paid. So Torsten wasn't about to let this thing loose as well. Focus as he would with any relatively complex mechanical problem, Torsten called over a tool drone. The chunky miniature AIs 
that were amongst any engineer's working kit. It too floated like the Rari in the chamber, but here, in the still air of engines, it floated with more direction and purpose. Was that obedience? And stopped next to Torsten. He said, have a look in the containment chamber. There's a small artefact. Got it, the tall drone whispered carefully. They were all like this, the tall drones. Quiet, softly spoken voices designed to calm a situation. Modest surgeons. Of course, you could change that and find a voice that was more stimulating or funny. But Torsten liked this stoic machine and its gentle ways. Identify? asked Torsten. It does not match anything in my archive. I'm scanning for material composition. Conclusion? asked Torsten. It is alien. Sorry, I meant to say that it is Rari. Torsten laughed. What the teacher bird had told him was true. He asked, Tool drone, did you just correct yourself? The tool drone said, Yes, I wanted to use obsolete terminology, but all I am permitted to say, because this is the more accurate term, is Rari. Permitted by what? asked Torsten. Running trace back, running trace back. Oh, I see now. The Rari did that. I see, said Torsten. Are the Rari in here? Is that thing a Rari? No, no, and no, said the tall drone. The object that you're looking at is itself a correction. And to answer your first question, no, the Rari are not here, although they would like you to know that they will be very soon. And then what? They offer no information on that. Can I speak to them? No. Can you tell me what the Rari artifact is saying? I can lip-read. Then please do so. It is describing this space with great accuracy. It is creating an inventory. Why, tool drone? I do not know. Would you like Thimble Winter AI LinkedIn to join our conversation? No, said Torsten. Torsten had been wary of talking to Thimble Winter. Since Torsten had found a letter slipped under his door, the teacher bird had mostly handled ship relations. Consenting to their current course had barely been a conversation. Thimble Winter had offered just enough to get Torsten to do what the ship had probably wanted all along. And since then, nothing. The tall drone was still floating by Torsten, awaiting its instructions. It could have wandered off. Torsten supposed that the Rari object clearly had it interested. Is it taking measurements, tall drone? Yes, skipper. Then measure it back. Describe it with so much detail that I could make an exact replica. Of course. My senses are deployed and I am doing as instructed. The Rari object has noted my interest and is now saying something else. The tool drone then paused, as if it understood the seriousness of the situation and the need to get the next part right. Skipper? Yes, tool drone. It is saying, we are the 
see. What does that mean? I'm an engineering assistant. Shall I link to Thimblewinter AI? Yes, said Torsten. Maybe it's time. Thank you. Thimblewinter AI, what does we are the sea mean? The vocal tone of Thimblewinter was non-gendered, buzzy, and sounded old. Very, very old. The ship told Torsten, It is saying, I am not an alien. It is saying that I am the sea. I am the universe. All of it. Any universe that may exist now or shall ever come. And in that conviction, I am absolutely certain. We are the sea. And when Torsten looked at those obscene tiny lips moving, he could hear it in his own inner voice. We are the sea. Torsten felt a deep core coldness, like a knife to his guts. He had to look away. Then he asked Thimblewinter, What were you doing before this conversation? I was listening to music, Skipper. Play it then. As Torsten sank down, his back to the Rari object, the first harps and muted trumpets of a swimmy, discordant sound picture surged up around him. This music was crystalline, full of beauty and the patient rolling out of an alluring otherness. Seductive, objective melodies of a new tradition formed then fell apart and came back as an army of brilliant cluster notes. Torsten shut his eyes. Was sleep finding him here at last? Or death? Only tomorrow could show that. Light space soul sickness overtook the crew. It came as a personal darkness within Torsten. Questions circled his mind. Mundane issues muddled all meaning. What had his life been before Thimble Winter? A few hard-grafting yet low-paying jobs and some friends to help share the burden of the work and the days. A childhood of distant parents, endless chores, and the only good times being fantasies of adventure way, way beyond the little farm cottage in Ostlandet. This always happens, said the tall girl, because for all our prayers, however honestly spoken, we are simply travelling too fast. We are now beyond the realms of light. Then what should I do? asked Torsten. It's best to just lay low, said the tall girl. Your soul and its soul, the soul of the universe, is fighting us here. Reality is being torn and hurt. To make it through, you must play reality's own deep game. She showed him that her arm was healed now and out of plaster. Reality's own deep game is to wait for better. Torsten did this, 
or he tried. Velocity and a woven confluence of particle fields, both projectile and countermeasure, worked to sour the crew as if the melancholy of time itself was accelerating with the flickering momentum of too many unseen, then vanished life moments. This was literally wasting them all. Hours later, visiting as a shape in Torsten's cabin, the tall girl said, You must abide, Torsten. The sickness will pass. I've been through this on at least twenty missions. Stay hydrated. Eat well. Exercise if you can. Remember that the real battle is still ahead. And so Torsten slept, as Sif and the tall girl stayed in their own cabins, and the teacher bird began long, unreadable conversations of Thimble Winter, and the work of the ship continued. The containment field in engines needed to be prepped for the antimatter cascade that would power them in their return to conventional spaceflight. Working with the tool drone late one night period, the teacher bird removed the Rari object from the containment field and placed it in a smaller, more secure unit that the two machines had built. Awake again, and himself now the stumbling robot of the three, Torsten helped the teacher bird and the tool drone. He wanted to see the object locked and boxed and silenced. But even as it was placed in the drone's temporary, typically artless, vaguely cubic mess of printed foam and radiation plate offcuts, his mind kept drifting to the Rari object's obscene, tiny grey lips. We are the sea. And his own inner voice echoing those words. The Rari brute boxes were pursuing Thimble Winter and most likely gaining on them. And what lay ahead of the ship and her crew was the deep time human apparition of the lanterns. Thimble Winter and its crew were caught between both the anvil and the hammer. They were caught between Thunderheads and the Iron Mountain. The fire. The smoke. What did these machines know? What were these machines really up to? More corridor wandering for Torsten. A hopeless drift in search of human connection. Sif's eyes were bloodshot. Her cabin was dark. And her skin was chalky and pale. She was losing her powers of concentration and her food had been left untouched. It's wrong to be out so far in this speckled path, said Torsten. And everything else that is wrong is also out here too. We should trust the ship, Sif told him. It knows where it's going. The lanterns are not its final destination. No, Torsten. This ship is true Viking. That means that Thimble Winter wants to go on forever, said Sif. Her eyes were already closing. And she will take us with her, if we want that. Maybe, said Torsten. He left her then, and if Sif could sleep, then maybe he would too. Still, those dark voyagers' thoughts corroded and chilled him. Everything that is wrong was waiting, chasing, spinning. As Torsten's skin and teeth ached, 
and light sickness forbade any appetite, and sadly too for an optimistic young man whose life had not been spent much in the veils of happiness. Light space began to rob Torsten of his hope. Meanwhile, machines inked darker than any night that Torsten had ever known were singing their own song. A long incantation of history and survival, welcoming him. It was in the year 1003 AD that faster-than-light propulsion technology, long tinkered with, finally proved workable. The home solar system had barely been explored, and already our good had its engines for its ships to venture far beyond. Light speed. Just imagine. Mankind, well, some of them, had this. And that was enough of an opportunity to provoke the breaking of a very long silence. That first millennium had been stratified by conflict and heresy, but the appearance of the lanterns caught everyone unawares. No aliens were yet discovered, just these extremely sinister and previously unseen inhabitants of the first Earth. At first the lantern's spacefaring interest was hidden. They bought the starships from behind shell commercial entities, but all those numbers, those long, long numbers caught the interest of banking investigators, who, suspecting fraud, began to look into the purchases. Many alarm bells then quietly began going off. Who in thirty hells were these people? AIs were recruited to the operation, including those more accustomed to historical research, and very quietly. The alarm bells turn to. Is a silent siren possible? Maybe not. Then let's call it a silent scream that went up. A silent scream. Partly fear. Partly rage also. Rose across the great halls of the world. The lanterns had been so well hidden that they practically amounted to agents of a shadow ecology. They had always been present, always active and effective. It was only now that they were choosing to show themselves because something actually worth buying was on offer. And if you looked into the lanterns, so much of the world's ill fortune began to make sense. They had covert tendencies. They ran games. And when the lanterns saw that the technology to conquer the galaxy was available. They wanted it. The speckle path was in their sights. But our good knew more about the monstrous deep-water fish that swam the lowest ocean trench than they did these faceless lanterns. Powerful people had a lot of questions and they wanted to talk. Theories abounded. The lanterns had been outcast Norse. The lanterns had been outcast Olmec warriors. Or perhaps the lanterns were from far islands of the warm southern oceans. The lanterns, another theory ran, were descendants of a single village in the Mongolian plateau 
that had been overrun once too often and was now a controlling lever in the human global mechanism. Security groups like the Colour Army were deployed, but the lanterns disappeared again. They took off with starships all bought and paid for. Their planetary exit was the stuff of myth, the most dramatic example of one of those things that can happen with a major societal change, such as the development of interstellar flight. Which is almost accurate. What really happened was that the inquiries were rapidly becoming major cross-national criminal investigations, and our good warrior cadres were sent in on missions to detain Lantern leadership, or Lanterns of any rank. These teams were neutralised. A few surveillance reels caught the counter-attack, but were never publicly distributed. The reels depicted ultra-kinetic, haunting, almost ritualistic slaughters. One brief reel showed a screaming Israeli Sea People gun officer, face to camera, being hauled down the bullet-shattered atrium of a business tower as ten floors below. His colleagues were pulled away and apart by long, wide black fabric bands. These black bands extended straight from windows that exploded under heavy fire from strange aircraft that hovered beneath what seemed to be spinning rotors. When the Rari appeared with the attack on the first moon, there were some theories that this was the work of the lanterns. But no. Powerful people knew that the lanterns were human and the Rari were entirely alien. It just so happened that it is a brutal galaxy out there and the first Earth is part of the speckled path. So, good night, sweet people of our good, and let not your thoughts dwell too long on what is without and within. Torsten, Torsten, you must wake up. It was Sif in Torsten's cabin, shaking him and pulling him from his cot. At first, Torsten was bleary. How long and how deep had he slept? But the urgency in Sif's voice soon had him sitting up and looking around. The eiderdown was on the floor, scattered clothes, a shaving kit, only half opened and then discarded. He'd barely inhabited the space. The medical segment on the Valkyrie lay in a corner. Tall girl drugged you, said Sif, and now they're both gone. What? Where? Where are we? asked Torsten. Sif replied, We're there. We're at the Lantern space station and the ship is dead. Torsten, the teacher bird and the tall girl are gone. They've left us. Torsten grabbed up his clothes, then pulled on his boots and followed Sif out of his cabin into a now cold and lifeless thimble winter. Dead? In a way, yes. The corridors and cabins were still intact, but there was a profound stillness now that lent an implacable brittleness to the interior surfaces. The light was low and chill. Prism bounced from natural sources outside the ship. The power was gone, and with it, the subtle verve and life of Thimble Winter. Sif, what happened? I don't know, she said. I woke up and everything was like this, but I think you should see what has happened to engines. Come on. She led Torsten down to engines. A new door barred access. 
and seemed to emerge directly from the corridor walls. It was more vault-sealed than an entryway. Sif, have you spoken to the ship? I tried, but she's ignoring me. Torsten touched the surface of the seal-blocking engines. He felt a faint vibration from within, almost a purr. Something's going on in there, said Torsten, and I don't think anyone else is involved. Then these must be the repairs, said Sif, the upgrades that you were all talking about. A new sensation distracted Torsten then, cool on his cheek. Thimble Winter wasn't quite dead. Instead, there was something no ship should ever contain. Is that a breeze? asked Torsten. That's the other thing I wanted to tell you, said Sif. The teacher bird and the tall girl abandoned us, and then they left the cargo bay open. What about our suits? Also gone, Torsten. Your Valkyrie and my one too. They're now probably both running around on auto, so the teacher bird and the tall girl will have a pair of robot thugs to back them up. Plus all the weapons, obviously. They are a real raiding party now. I can't believe that they left us of no means to defend ourselves. Torsten closed his eyes and felt the stillness of the ship around him. One thing, Torsten, said Sif, as if she'd been holding in a breath. It is rather refreshing to be without those two, isn't it? Torsten had been attracted to the tall girl. She was smart, warm and very good-looking, and she imagined that Sif had liked the teacher bird for her own more obscure reasons. But here in the lonely cool and the breeze, it was like a pair of unpredictable weights had been lifted from his shoulders. Torsten felt more himself, and Sif remained as good a friend as ever. I agree, Sif. They're both pretty much nightmares. And leaving us proves it, said Sif. Also, don't they hate each other? Yes, but they're out on a rampage, armed and with a couple of mechanised bully girls as backup. Any differences can be forgotten for now, what with all these fresh opportunities for looting and conquest. Sif nodded her head and said, As for the power being down, these repairs and upgrades might be the explanation. Maybe the ship just needs some time to itself. That was the most likely explanation, agreed Torsten. The screens are all blank. Thimble Winter is printing new parts based on whatever upgrades the lanterns are selling her. Sif, shall we go and have a look at what's outside? Why not, said Sif. After all, our loyal crewmates left all this amazing free air to breathe. We're missing them already, said Torsten. Sif smiled and then offered Torsten her hand. And with an army of Rari on their case, seriously, why not? Just don't mention what a visit to a lantern space station may actually entail. But Torsten thought that Sif's touch was like the breeze. Cool, with a subtle strength. There lived in Sif a quality of spirit that was fearless and refreshing. She just wanted this day to be an adventure, and for Torsten to be at her side. And so, hand in hand, they walked to the cargo bay and stepped down the ramp into the glowing world of the bright white beyond.